Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hey, hey, brave parents, we are back tackling another everyday issue from a biblical worldview. And today, that is the first smartphone. It really may not seem like Scripture speaks to the exact topic, and therefore parents are really only left with the wisdom and recommendation of friends and culture. But alas, that is really untrue. We're going to talk about that today. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for taking a part of your day and listening. I am one of your hosts, Kelly Newcomb, and I am joined by my partner in battling bad ideologies, Chelsea Hazel. Battling bad ideologies. You had like a low tone in there too. Like, oh, like kind of serious. Like that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Passionate about it. <laughs> I know. I heard it. I felt it. I got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, I am really excited about this episode. But before we dive in, I want to let our listeners know that we have some book giveaways happening over at our Brave Parenting Facebook page. We want to get some of the resources in your hands that we've been mentioning this past month during our No Porn November series. So we just decided we're going to give away some books. So all you have to do is comment with your name in the book giveaway post, and you'll be in the drawing to receive these books for free courtesy of Brave Parenting. These, the, the books that we're going to give away are Deepak Raju's Rescue Skills and Rescue Plan, as well as N- Nancy Piercy's Love Thy Body and Carl Truman's Strange New World. Great books. I know. Mm-hmm. Like amazing, amazing resources to read, to share, to have, um, to highlight with all the colors. Yeah. So we, we want to, this giveaway is happening this week. It is December 5th through the 9th. Um, leave your comment before midnight central time on Friday, and we are going to draw for winners on Saturday the 10th, and we'll let you know if you win. So if you mention that you are a podcast listener in your comment, you will be entered in Dude. Twice. Twice. What a deal. What? I know. That's <laughs> And really, you just have to comment podcast because we're going to see your name yeah. as it is. Or you can yeah. just comment giveaway. Um, if you share the post, we'll also put you in to yeah. the giveaway an extra time. And yeah. yeah. So get some free books. That's awesome. Yep. Next time, I think we need to use like a code word like snorkelberry or something. And then like, <laughs> everyone's going to be like, why I- are they... Why is the word snorkelberry on there? I think the word podcast works great. (laughs) Okay, fine. Use podcast. (laughs) Anyway, that's great. So yeah, we also have a Brave Parenting Guide to No Porn available on braveparenting.net. And what that is, it's just listing all of the resources that we went through and covered over those four episodes in November. So if you're looking for a place to easily find some of the websites, books, podcasts that we talked about, in the month of November, it's all there at braveparenting.net, Brave Parenting Guide to No Porn. So check that out. We're going to link it all in the show notes for you. Great. So awesome. let's go ahead and jump in. All right. This is going to be an awesome episode because these are by far the most, like I guess, commonly asked questions that we get. And especially as we move into the Christmas holidays, we really need to set the record straight about phones as gifts. And we're going to unpack this topic systematically so that parents can have just a thorough understanding of their child's need and readiness for a smartphone, as well as which smartphone is best. So essentially, we're just going to do exactly what the title of the podcast states. We're going to look at the why you should give your child a smartphone, the when you'll know you're ready is ready, is ready for a smartphone, excuse me, 
and which smartphone is the best option because if you didn't know, there's actually a lot of great options that yep. don't include Apple and Android, which is kind of amazing. Yep, absolutely. So before we get started, Chelsea, pop quiz time. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Tell me when or why, why does a child need a smartphone? You're right there. You're right there. You have 12, 13-year-olds. How would you answer the question, why does your child need a smartphone? Hmm. I feel like we need some Jeopardy music. Well, <laughs> my dear, dear friends, let me emphasize that you said need a smartphone because a need and a want are two very different worlds when it comes to adolescents and smartphones. I think in my opinion, there's only one main reason why a child needs a smartphone, and that is because you, the parent, need them to have one. There can be some nuances within that, but ultimately, a child still doesn't need a smartphone like they think they do. Parents may want their child to have a smartphone for several reasons, just such as safety, but we have to really look at what kind of safety, like, is it really safety for the kid or is it like fearful parenting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so take, for example, kind of the sad reality of school shootings. I can 100% empathize with the desire to have direct contact with your child if that situation ever occurred. But generally in those situations, the children are told to be quiet when they're hiding and sending them texts or calling them when their phones might not be silenced could be a very dangerous giveaway. Having a child on the phone in that kind of situation removes them from the authority of the teacher who's trying to maintain order and calm for the sake of the child and all the other kids involved. So overwhelmingly, schools are still some of the safest places for children to be at. So I'm not quite sure if I agree with the necessity of phones for kids in schools, but again, I'm not in that situation because we did choose to homeschool. Um, but I definitely think it is something parents need to pray about because it can definitely stem from a fear of the world, a fear of man, and not a fear and a trust in God. It may not be as big of a need as one actually thinks. Yeah, I think that we're going to unpack that a little bit. As we mm -hmm. get into this and, and answer a little bit of those questions, like, what do you do if you really feel like that's a need? But I think that you're right in delineating the difference between need and want. I think as parents, we don't do that enough. And I think the reasons why kids would say that they need, but really what they mean is want, is access to the world. They just really want access to the world. They want um, the entertainment via games or YouTube. They want like 24-7 or at least, you know, 14-7, <laughs> whatever parents would allow them to be on that phone. They want that access to their friends for all that time. And I'd even say that, you know, as they crave autonomy, which is totally normal and healthy at age 12 to 13, but not so much at seven, eight, and at its most basic level, I think they really, really just desire to be like everyone else. We live in an extremely materialistic society after all, right? So it's totally understandable that they just want that fancy gadget like everyone else has. But that want I want what I want and I want it now. That's not always good. In case you were curious, there are some things that we want that are not good for us. If you need reminding of that, go back to those No Porn November episodes. <laughs> Sometimes what we want is not always best for us. So more than just identifying and differentiating between needs and wants of the child, I think it's important that we talk about the difference between needing a smartphone and just using a smartphone, because sometimes there's just a need for a child to use the smartphone. Mm -hmm. And once you, the parent, have identified the need for the child to use a smartphone, you can then determine whether or not they're ready for their smartphone. So we've boiled it down to this, <clears throat> some reasons why they might need a smartphone. 
You, the parent, need to get a hold of them. Maybe they're on a traveling extracurricular team and you're not always there with them. Maybe they're babysitting or they have their first job. For instance, my oldest daughter got a job referee in soccer games this fall. So we turned an old iPhone on that we had lying around. It's called the house phone, not her phone, which she takes to her games. And we can get a hold of her. We can um, track her if we need to. Um, Another example is safety. Examples of this might include if they have to get off the school bus and they walk like two blocks to an empty house or something like that. Or if they're using public transportation. I don't live in a city where kids have to use public transportation, but you might. You, the listener, might have your kid might be using public transportation. Um, Another example could be health and well-being. Maybe your child um, has a medical condition where the phone is actually more of a resource and a tool for that medical condition. Like if your child has diabetes and you need constant blood sugar monitoring and it can alert your phone when something goes wrong or whatnot and they need to get a hold of you or call for help. And number four, which unfortunately is probably the most overlooked category, demonstrated responsibility and readiness. This is where we know as the parent that the child is ready for a smartphone. And this is what we're going to start hashing out now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to clarify, yeah, those are those are scenarios which warrant the use of a smartphone. You know, when you need to get a hold of them for safety, for well-being, that doesn't necessarily mean that that phone is going to be on them, in their hand, in their pocket, all the live long day, right? You know what I mean here as a parent, mm-hmm. because you've seen it. You know, the, differenti- mm-hmm. the differentiation is huge when you really look at it. So I think a lot of parents have the best intentions. And they begin with just smartphone use, like you're doing with your daughter. She gets to use it when a soccer game, you know, but kids are kids and they kind of take it extra. They forget to give it back and you get busy as a parent and all of a sudden it just slides into this phone is being used more and more and more and more. And before you know it, you know, it's just their phone and it's in their hands and that wasn't what you really intended. So Entering into this season where your kid is using a smartphone is really important that you sort of evaluate what your smartphone boundaries are so that you can maintain these. So while there may be times for a child to use the smartphone, let's actually look at when your child is ready for their own smartphone. Because it's it's easy to say, okay, I do need my child to use the phone at this juncture. But it's harder to decide when we think they're actually ready to kind of own it or co-own it with you, the parent. That means they're going to carry it on, you know, themselves. They can maybe put their own phone case on it. They can, you know, modify where the apps are, what they look like, and use all those silly widget stuff, you know, the stuff that parents don't have time to care about, but kids really do. (laughs) Customizing, you know, those features. Essentially, you know, it is their phone owned by you. So this is a huge stepping stone for maturity in life. And this is where a lot of parents uh, really need some help, I think, in distinguishing when their child is ready. So Chelsea, let's take a look at this. Hash this out for us. What are we looking for with demonstrated responsibility and readiness? Well, Kelly, this is a lot of what you detail in your book, Managing Media, Creating Character. True. And one of the things that we're looking for is character and virtue. Um, It's looking at the character, virtues of patience, respect, kindness, honesty, self-control, modesty, humility, and self-worth. You're looking, essentially, you, the parent, are looking for the fruit of the discipleship that you've been pouring into your kids for years. So let's take a look at patience, for example. Can your child accept delayed gratification? Or is it just the end of them when they don't get what they want? 
Are they quick to get angry and lash out at siblings, friends, or even you when they don't get what they want? Can they plan and prepare for the future knowing that some things in life are worth waiting for? Because I don't know if you know this, but smartphones will 100% amplify all of these potentially concerning impatience, impatience habits. And they will, you know, you'll, have, you'll be stuck in situations where they want an app. And they're not going to want to wait until dad gets home, much less wait until they're 16. But you, you need them to know how to respond and to ask. And you need them to be able to expect to wait for the privilege and to exude that patience while they wait. This is so important. Now, I, I, so, I so, so important because we are living in such an impatient generation. Yeah. This is a huge one. I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah. Because, yeah, because we all have that like um, Amazon Prime mentality. We want what we want and we don't want to wait for it. And we're Even so used. Uh, there's so many things exactly. that we don't yeah. have to wait for anymore. No. Yeah. It's true. It's true. So if you're sitting there thinking and you're like, you're kind of went through that mental checklist of your kid's character qualities and you're like, yeah, my child's not very patient. So now's the opportunity to express that to your child. Express to them the character that you wish to see in them and to show and the character that you wish for them to show in order to prove that they're ready. Give them very defined examples of way they can practice patience and to wait for the privilege of certain things in order to show that the phone's not going to be a constant battle. Practically, I believe as a parent, this just means saying no more often. And sometimes just because and for no real reason. Teaching them the concept of no, not right now, without any reason, is actually incredibly practical and helpful because not every job promotion they go up for is going to be yes. Um, not every ministry opportunity they want to jump into is going to be yes, because actually sometimes God says no to us. Right. We don't sometimes have a reason for why we get that no. I encourage you all to say no more often, to deal with the tantrums, to deal with the fallout, to teach them through discipline and discipleship of those tantrums. And I really think we're going to be pre preparing our kids for a much better future. They're going to be much more well-rounded in order to handle those very real life, no, not yet situations. Yeah. I think that, you know, the reality is when it comes to media and technology, it is always a no, not yet. There will be mm -hmm. a time when, yes, you own a smartphone, there will not be any parental controls on that. Now, whether that's 18, whether that's six, you know, whatever that time right. frame is, it will come. It will come. But that does not have to come at nine. It does not have to come at 13. Their brains cannot handle it. I mean, that is a whole whole other tangent. But saying no, not yet when it comes to media and technology, you know, I'm sorry that you can't play Grand Theft Auto. Not yet. <laughs> when you're an adult, you can play all the Grand Theft Auto you want, right? That's a right. terrible game for children. You know, right. but the reality is, is it's, you will someday, but you have to practice patience. So saying no, not yet with media and technology is just, we just need to get that into our vernacular, just constantly be saying that because yeah. there will become a time when they do get the privilege of these things, but that doesn't right. just because that will come eventually doesn't mean they need it at age 10. Exactly. No, that's true. It's so true. And it's just incredibly practical because that's the way the world is once they leave your house. Not everyone's going to say yes to them all the time. Yep. So some other character traits uh, we can look at is respect. You know, do they respect technology? Do they get mad and throw the remote or the game controller? <laughs> or the do they phone. respect or the phone? Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. Okay. So I'm just going to say it right now in case... <laughs> I don't think it's in my notes to say later. Do not buy your child a brand new phone. They cannot possibly understand and respect the fact that an iPhone 14 costs $1,200 or whatever it costs. Right. I have no idea. 
they have no concept of that money. They've not worked enough to save that money. Twelve hundred dollars or whatever it costs is not in their wheelhouse to comprehend and then respect the fact that I need to take care of this device. It always breaks, always, always. It cracks into something. I've never broken a phone ever in my life, but yet every single one of my children have broken their phones. So there you go. Right. It's true. They just, you're right. They have no concept of how much it costs and they really don't, they're not, their minds, they're not, they don't care about stewardship yet. And that's something you have to build into them. Looking at respect still, do they respect time limits and boundaries that you've established for other modes of screen time? What about self-controlled? This is a big one. Does your child practice restraint in areas of their life, in other areas of their life? Do they overindulge in sweets or in any other gratifying affections? Do they sneak around taking what is off limits, such as like extra screen time, food, Mm. siblings, possessions? Um, Self-control is a big one. It's a huge one. And it, if, and it is taught. I think we forget that self-control yeah. is, taught is taught Yeah, through parenting. It's not yeah. something we naturally have. Our flesh is not a naturally self-controlled. I mean, we, we just don't have that. So that is something right. that parents really, it's, it's, technology is a great way to teach self-control. You know, Absolutely. it kind of means I like, agree. hey, you're, you have an hour of screen time. So here's what self-control looks like. It means that when your hour is up, you take the iPad or you take your Xbox, you know, you turn it off, you put it away and you go on and you do something else. That's yeah. what self-control looks like. It doesn't mean like you like, oh, five more minutes because mom's not looking. You know, <laughs> when you explain that yeah. to the child, this is what self-control looks like. This is what I'm looking for you to demonstrate so that I know you're ready for more privileges when it comes to media and technology. So self-control is such a great um, character trait you can build with technology. Okay, so that's character readiness. Um, another sign of readiness for a child to have their own smartphone is open communication, which still ties into character. This really narrows down on the character virtues of honesty and humility. So for example, can your child admit, repent, and correct course when they have either done wrong or they get caught doing wrong? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I took a slow pause there because I was like I was like thinking about myself. You know what I mean? It's so like when you're like thinking about these things, like how well are you an example of them to your children? You know, we all struggle with this, but kids even more so because they're kids. They're in training for all of this. However, if your child is not the best at humility and honesty, and let's be honest, this is a lot of our children. They need a little bit more time to mature and to work on this skill before they're given a smartphone. And that's okay. Kids who struggle with humility and honesty, well, they're normal. They're kids. They live in a fallen world. They have a sinful nature and they haven't learned how to make that sinful nature yield to God's truth. So behaviors like lying and hiding are precisely why kids shouldn't have access to unrestricted technology. The algorithms, the allure, the entertainment, the dopamine, it's going to hit the brain And all of this is going to override the skill of humility and honesty that is so important for life and relationships post-adolescence. You may not think of these two character traits being diminished with the personal smartphone, but it's simply too easy to hide, to lie, and to deceive with these devices. Yeah, yep. The smartphone is always going to amplify the things that you would not think it would. And it's, right. norm- it's normally the worst things you could ever imagine about your kids. And it will absolutely amplify those things if you haven't been training them. 
Satan is always there. He's always in that phone. I promise you, it's like his playground. He is convincing our kids to lie because it's easy. And frankly, he is the father of lies. So, yeah, that open communication is, is really big. They just need to be able to talk. About, even if we're, we kind of talk about what we mentioned, what we talked about last month, if they see porn, you, they, you need them yeah. to be able to openly communicate yeah. with you, um, not to hide it because they're scared. Right. So it starts with open communication with us as parents, teaching that and letting our child know that you can tell me when something, you know, you do something wrong or if you see something bad, it's just such a big thing when it comes to the smartphone. I think you just nailed, you just touched on where we're going next is another facet of open commu- communication is the discussion of pop culture or just the discussion in general. I mean, do your kids come to you when they find something questionable in the books that they read or the shows they watch? Yeah. Coming to you for guidance on how to discern the world around them is a crucial clue to their maturity level. And this was the major clue that helped my husband and I discern whether or not our 13-year-old was ready for a job first and then a phone. She had been coming to us for about a year with questions about what she was observing around her in books and in TV shows, which we co-view with her and, of course, with her friends. And it was helpful for us to discern where she was at in her maturity level. So you might be thinking, yeah, I don't, I don't have a child that openly communicates, especially if you're raising sons. And I get that because I have one of those too. They tend to be less chatty, but openly communicating with, it, with each other, well, that's an expectation for my son and for my daughters. It's not gender different by any stretch of the imagination. Both parties need to be willing to sit down and have hard conversations or open conversations with us. Yeah. So I have, I have, you said, you said I have one of those. I have four of those. <laughs> <laughs> I have four of those. And you know, my, my, uh, some of my boys were adopted at older ages. I mean, like seven, uh, 10 and 11. And so I didn't even have that relationship built that way. And so I really had to fight for this communication with my sons. And, um, and, and, you know, of course it always happens at like midnight. That's when they want to talk. If you're not at the teenage years yet, you don't realize like, here we are midnight. I'm like dead tired. And when do your boys want to talk? That's the time. But you know, you have to fight for that and stay awake, listen to your boys and, and talk to them whenever they are available. Don't ever miss that opportunity because you think you have something better to do because that's when it happens. It's late at night. <laughs> so, all right. So yeah, open communication, solid, solid road marker to know whether or not your child is ready for their own smartphone. I would, I'm going to also add a couple things. And I think that one other one is the willingness to be monitored. The idea of being monitored shouldn't, should not come as a shock for a child who's asking for a smartphone. But alas, Kids who are seeking and, and recognizing their need for individuation and autonomy, they're really, they will try and convince you that monitoring them is stalking and untrusting and it's going to ruin the relationship and you're not giving me privacy. And like, there are legit YouTube videos out there that are telling kids this. Your parents shouldn't monitor you. That's untrusting. That's unloving. And it's like, I'm sorry. Wait. <laughs> There's actual like smartphone apologetics. Is that what you're telling me? Oh, I like, guess you could call it that. <laughs> a d- d- defense of, wow. Well, I, you know, as we've said a million times, everybody's trying to break down the family unit. And if you can get parents, um, ag- you know, against kids and kids against parents, yeah, what better way than through the smartphone? And so it's like telling kids and teaching kids that, you, don't, you know, your parents shouldn't be doing this. But that is such a lie. Um, 
you absolutely need to monitor kids. And as a parent, you need to set firm and unwavering boundaries as to what monitoring is going to look like. You tell them that in advance. And if your child's bucking up against these boundaries and isn't willing to comply, even before you get started, dude, they're just not ready for their own phone. (laughs) That's kind of the bottom line there. I mean, because we have to remember that when they get a laptop from the school, or they're in public school, in private school, doesn't matter, um, or they get a job somewhere that allows internet or computer access, in all of these instances, those devices are going to be monitored. They are going to follow what websites you go to, monitor all the time. My husband's a teacher at a private school. He can see every single thing that happens that goes on on the laptops because he teaches computer science. They have to use laptops there. He can see everything. That's the reality. I can't go into my job and jump on Google and start doing you know, searches on Etsy for Christmas gifts. <laughs> Why? Because I'm being paid during that time. And that is the reality is when you get out into the world, you'll be monitored. You'll be monitored as to what you're doing. So completely, completely acceptable that you are monitoring them. Don't believe the lie that, that they cannot and should not be monitored. Now, we grant that all parent uh, monitoring and limits and controls should really grow fewer and fewer as they mature. But when it comes to the first smartphone, it, it, it's non-negotiable, plain and simple. And so I know everybody's maybe listening who's wondering right now, oh, wait, what's the best monitoring? And hold on, because when we talk about which smartphone, we're going to touch on some of those answers there. But I want to talk about one more signpost, I think, that um, as well as character, as well as open communication, as well as the willingness to be monitored, is the commitment to keep relationships greater than screens. This is really, really big. This mom and dad is where we hope that you have been setting a really good example. And if you haven't before now, now is the time to practice. You practice your humility and honesty. You confess, you sit your child down and you say, hey, you know what? I don't think I've done a great job at staying off my phone during family time. I don't think that I've done a great job of being available to you and just using my own time to answer emails or to do whatever you're doing, right? So make it right. Confess that you've not done a good job because you're setting that great example as to how you openly communicate when you do something wrong and make it right. Get off of your phone during those crucial hours when your child is home, when they're telling a story. Don't just put the phone, you know, don't like look them in the eye, but put the actual phone down. Show your child that that phone is not going to be a distraction and give your attention to the child. This is so critical for the young generation. I mean, so much of their lives are going to forever be connected to a screen in some way, whether for school, whether for friendships. However, we want to be able to see that our kids can still prioritize and value face-to-face relationships. This can be seen like when they're young, you know, they will need to go out and play with friends in the neighborhood um, and not fight for the iPad or the screen time. You know, they're willing to attend a play date with a friend who maybe doesn't have an Xbox or, you know, who doesn't have some sort of streaming service. Can we just recognize that, that they're willing to enjoy relationships instead of the screen? You could take that example, like when grandma and grandpa come over, you know, are they begging to be on the screen instead of like actually hanging out face to face? This is a great sign as to whether or not you know that, that they're going to prioritize relationships over the screen. Ultimately, like the world today has zero problems with screen multitasking within the relationships. But if you've been in a position 
where someone else's screen has taken priority over you, you know it's damaging to the relationship, right? It's offensive. It's painful (laughs) when you're trying to talk to someone and they are not giving you their full attention. So we really don't want to let our kids ever become that self-centered, that, you know, so screen saturated that they are deprioritizing relationships. Because when I think deeply about this, I don't know about you, Chelsea, I mean, I think to myself, okay, we have a loneliness and depression epidemic among young people. Well, what you're saying, Kelly, is I think the second greatest commandment is to love others the way we love ourselves. And we want to feel valued. We want to feel loved. God gives us his full attention, his time, his presence, all of those things. And we're thankful for it, right? So that should be an overflow of our heart towards the others around us. So we look at that vertical relationship with God, and then we look at that horizontal relationship with others. And it's just practical how we treat others when we have a phone in our hands and a person in front of us. We can, we can glorify God in that situation. Amen. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And that's, that's exactly, exactly where we want to be teaching our kids is that this is how we can give glory to God. This is how we live out this commandment is by prioritizing. And th- this is what we're made for. <laughs> we are made to be in yeah. relationship yeah. with people. And so the screen, and, and honestly, this is a lesson. It's a lesson for me too. <laughs> still today, something I need to practice still every day. And so it should be something that we're really working on as a family. You, your spouse, your kids, anybody, anytime you have screens, um, is to always prioritize it. Because having said all that, I think it's essential that we mention um, the reality is that so often the phone can become just that precious, my (laughs) precious, like the ring in Lord of the Rings. If you have seen a, especially like an 11, 12, 13 year old girl with a smartphone, I get it. You're, you're becoming a woman and your friends are just the most important thing ever. But like, it is so powerful. If you've seen Lord of the Rings, you know that anybody who comes in contact with that ring, like the power of the ring takes over them. They can, they're like almost psychotic. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the screen can be like that. It can be like the my precious to the child or adolescent. Heck, if I'm honest, it can be like that for adults too. So I know. because of that, I would like to, Chelsea, talk on a, just for a moment about the wrong reasons. We've talked, <laughs> <laughs> well, the wrong reasons why to give a child a smartphone, because we've touched on all these great reasons. So, and you're probably like, yes, absolutely. Yes, I agree. Everything with what, what you're saying. These are great things. But we all have the flesh. We all have a fearful parenting inside of us that fears our children and not liking us that fears the world judging us instead of fearing God. And so I have six. (laughs) I have six wrong reasons that I would like to touch on uh, real quick, just in case you fall into one of these categories. I just want to set the record straight. Okay, number one, your children won't stop begging you. (laughs) (laughs) Can I have it now? Can I have it now? What about now? (laughs) Let's just all commit that we're not going to cave ever to anything because our kids won't stop begging. That is the absolute worst lesson to teach a child. Yeah, okay, everyone th- raise your right hand and repeat after me. <laughs> I will not cave to a smartphone because my child begs me. <laughs> Number two, to fit in with their friends. Dude, An- this is like... Another terrible reason to cave. What did our parents tell us when we were young? If, if all your friends were jumping off a bridge, would you do it too? Amen. I don't know. I hear is my it dad's the voice. short bridge? Like, is <laughs> <it> like- <laughs> I hear my dad's voice right now. 
I mean, the easiest fix for this is to ask your child's friend's parents to join you in waiting. Someone has to has to start yep. this trend. And chances are others are, are also willing to hold out with you. The reality is, is even if you do that, there's always that one person. There's always that one parent <laughs> who wants to be the first, who sort of wants the clout of saying, oh, my child already has a smartphone. You know, they, they want that recognition. It's true. Don't be that parent, right? Yeah. Just really, if you have a, a, a group of kiddos, maybe they're all playing baseball together and, and you're all friends and you are together like, you know, half the week, join together. You know what? We don't need our kids. Our kids don't need that. We're all going to commit. We're not going to do this this summer. And just I'll do that. Just be that person who starts that conversation because I absolutely know that there are parents who are willing to do that. So fit in the opposite way, right? Be the group that doesn't get the smartphone. Number three, the third wrong reason to buy your kid a smartphone or to give them their own smartphone. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Bring it. To make them happy. Because, <laughs> because my kid just really wants one. And I know that they're just going to be so happy if I give them one. And I'm just going to be honest. That is not you wanting your child to be happy because they have a smartphone. You want them to, to love you. You want them to be yeah. happy with you. Oh, my mm-hmm. mom and dad are so great. They gave me a smartphone, you know, and I'm only seven. Whatever. And that is so short-lived. That, yeah. that like, joy and happiness that they get because you gave them one. Well, as soon as you say no to an app or, no, I'm taking it away, well, then they're going to hate you for it. <laughs> That's just the reality of what it is. It's, true. it's such a temporary happiness. Yes, I realize that communicating with your friends, you know, watching movies or doing whatever you're going to do on that smartphone can bring you temporary happiness. That is not our role as a parent. Our role is not to make them happy. Well, and I think you just, you pulled back the truth on it. It makes us feel good when we give it to them. We, this is going to sound like a stupid example, but we have a cat that one of my kids loves to pick up all the time, but he hates it. And I'm like, are you loving him well by doing what he actually hates? Or are you being selfish by doing what you love to do? Mm, Yeah. And that's what it is. Like, it's selfish of us to give our kids these phones when they are not ready for them. They're going to find the devil's playground on it. They're going to be exposed to pornography on it. But it's okay because it made us happy when we gave it to them. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's selfish. That's exactly it. It is. Okay. So number four reason is that you want to be able to text them. Mm. Um, yeah. So here's the deal. I, I've heard these parents I just miss them so much when they're at school and I want to text them how much I love them and that I miss them. Y'all talk to Chelsea, just homeschool them. <laughs> I can I can get you hooked up, y'all. Like you get a brave parenting homeschool page going on. I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with loving our children and missing them, but I'm just saying for centuries and centuries, <laughs> we have been able, we have not talked to our kids while they're at school or whatever. And it is okay. You don't need, that is such a distraction for them. It's really crippling their autonomy. Um, just absolutely the wrong motive. Okay, number five. They need to know how to be tech savvy. Let me tell you. If you and your family don't have smartphones and you live on, I don't know, a compound or something. I don't know. Do those exist? I'm sure they probably do. Um, <laughs> and you give a 17-year-old <laughs> a smartphone for the first time ever, they'll have it mastered in days. You know, they call it smart technology because it is smart, so you don't have to be. These phones are so intuitive. Tech savvy anymore today is not about knowing how to use a smartphone. I mean, am I right? Like an 18-month-old can navigate right. a smartphone. It's true. You don't it's have true. to 
to be intelligent. I mean, tech savvy now, I would say, is like mining Bitcoin or selling NFTs or programming a, a server. I mean, there's all kinds of like really deep, deep tech savviness, I would say, or computer literacy that you can have. And that's totally different, right? So this is just, this is the wrong reason. Our kids are naturally going to be tech savvy. They're growing up in the 21st century. Okay, number six, the wrong reason that you should give your kids a smartphone is because the school says they need one. Y'all, if your school says that, y'all need to find an alternative education option because <laughs> I have a- Again, I can hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> My husband um, has taught in public school and he has taught at, now he teaches in private school, but they cannot say, I know a public school cannot say that a, a smartphone is a requirement. Of course, because you know phones are expensive. Phone plans are expensive. You can't expect that from a family. There are immense accommodations built in to giving kids technology if the school or the teacher is going to require them to do something on the internet, whether they use a school computer, a school iPad, something. I just, there is. But what happens, and this is why this actually, I have to bring up this point, is because teachers assume that every kid has a smartphone. And so yeah. if your child doesn't have a smartphone, then that is where that feeling of need comes from because the teacher will say middle school, definitely high school, but sometimes middle school too. Uh, I'm not going to give you five minutes to write down the assignments from the week. Just take out your phone and take a picture. So if your yeah. kid doesn't have the phone, then they're going to come home to you and say, well, I need one because the teacher mm -hmm. said I had to take a picture. You know, mm -hmm. no, mm -hmm. that is it's absolutely, that is not a need. Don't stand for that. You know, if your kid needs to contact you, there are still landline phones at schools that they can call out with, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've even seen it that teachers have a QR code for kids to get the the syllabus. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, they, I've they seen scan that. that. Yeah. But mm -hmm. they can also print it out. I mean. <laughs> I know. that We got everything printed out when we were kids. Why is that? Why can't we still do that? And as my husband will say, I mean, yeah, I have to print more. I have to do a little bit more legwork to not rely on technology. But he's committed to that. But some teachers, yeah, I'm just going to roll with it because this is how this is how the world is. And that is that and that is that's fine. That that's fine. However, the way the world is isn't always great. The way the world is isn't always right. You know, I'm just like saying like it can be that way. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to cave to it. Right. Do that's not true. conform, mm -hmm. you know, to the, the patterns of this world. Mm -hmm. that that it's is true. that is it's right true. in romans 12 too yeah all right yeah these are all great reasons actually i kind of think they're just excuses um but these are all great <laughs> reasons not to give in and cave to giving your child a smartphone too early um but honestly it can all be really assessed through the acknowledgement that we just want our kids to fit in mm -hmm. we don't want them to be outcasts or to receive ridicule because they don't have a smartphone and it's a painful place to be as a parent we have a desire for our kids to fit in, and it's, unfortunately, it's rooted in the fear of man, mm -hmm. which means that we value the opinions of others more than the opinion of God, or we fear the opinions of others more than we fear the opinion of God. And as a homeschool parent, listen, y'all have been there, totally understand it. There have been two consistent experiences that I have had as a homeschool mom. First, sometimes, well, not sometimes, almost all the time, my kids get interrogated when people find out that they're homeschoolers. Um, like, oh, oh, you homeschool? Oh, do you know, do you tell me, sing me your ABCs. Do you know what the capital is of this state? Um, how, how old are you? Uh, what grade are you? I mean, it's like, it is a legit 
academic interrogation when they find out my kids are in homeschool. Um, and the other experience that I always have is um, people ask me how they're going to be socialized. Like, you homeschool? Well, how do they make friends? How do they socialize? How do they do this? How do they do that? And so what happened was when my kids were little, um, I ended up choosing a Latin curriculum, not because I wanted to or because they wanted to, but because every time someone found out that they were homeschooled and started quizzing them, I could say, oh, well, they could sing you the alphabet in Latin. Oh, they know all of their <laughs> colors in Latin. Oh, sure. I can have them, you know, tell you all the different declensions. Like, you know what I mean? Just because I was so fearful of that interrogation that I stepped up my, you know, quote unquote homeschool game so that way I could put people in their place. But it was not out of a fear of God. It was out of a fear of man that I chose that curriculum and none of us really enjoyed it. Like it, it, wasn't, it wasn't something we actually enjoyed mm. doing. And what I also think is funny is, you know, the whole socialization questions. Y'all, I'm getting public school parents telling me that they're being pressured by other public school parents to give in to Snapchat because without it, they won't have a social life. Girl, come on. I, <laughs> mm. I, I wish, uh, I wish the Snapchat pressure in lieu of social suicide was just not an issue. I wish so yeah. much that this was not a real problem. Um, most of all, I wish that parents went in cave. But, but I, when you said that about the socialization and kids and homeschool, you know, we used to think that like especially as I was growing up in the 80s, 90s, like homeschool kids were like the weird kids. Now, granted, COVID changed a lot of that. And I think there's a definitely a different perception. But but you are absolutely right. If you go through a grocery store now and you look at kids, they are like on their screen. They're sitting in the cart. They're watching like a movie on the iPad while parents are, are shopping. Their kids on screens are more public or less, or less publicly social than mm-hmm. any homeschool kid I've ever seen. The screen mm-hmm. is actually causing less of a socialization, less of an ability to communicate face-to-face with strangers or whatever. To hold a conversation. Yes. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, no mm-hmm. longer is the homeschool kid the unsocialized one. It's every kid who has an iPad and a smartphone of their own. I know. It's true. We're not the weird ones anymore. Yeah. Oh, the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And and in the, unfortunately, the whole term of socialization is just ambiguous. It's a moving target, and it's all defined on what's trendy. But unfortunately, what this all adds up to is it's just fearful parenting, y'all. It's sinful. Listen, I just confess to you that I've done it. I, I've repented of it. We're not choosing curriculum based on the fear of man anymore. And I really hope it never trips me up again. But hey, I am not a hundred. I am still in a process of sanctification, so it absolutely could. But parents, trust me when I tell you that it's a breath of fresh air to finally fear God and not man and not your kids, um, where parenting is concerned. The fear of the Lord, it is the beginning of all wisdom and knowledge. That pro- That's Proverbs 1-7. So if you fear him, you're going to be just fine because his word and the call on your life to be a parent for the glory of God will be the filter which you sift every parenting decision through. Parenting is about pleasing God, not others or our kids. But lastly, we're called to be different. We're mm-hmm. called to be holy. So if we truly look at raising our kids through a biblical worldview, then being different is okay. Being a little, you know, unsocialized by the world standards, it's okay. Being a little weird, it's okay. Because holy literally means to be set apart. 
you and I were set apart from the world to be different. So socializing the way the world intends it to be means not conforming to that standard. Brothers and sisters, we're not called to conform, but we're called to be renewed in our mind through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we must do parenting differently or else our neighbors and our family members are never going to know that there's a different way. The desire for our kids to not fit in, it is absolutely rooted in the fear of man. And it's where the opinions of others matter more than the opinion of God. And listen, I've made enough mistakes. I know Kelly's made enough mistakes Mm -hmm. because of the fear of man to tell you that it is not worth bowing to at all. Yeah, it's it's, you're absolutely right. Amen and amen. (laughs) This is really, um, you know, where I think that the the deepest, best principle that we can look at when we approach the first smartphone is realizing who am I fearing? You know, am I doing this because of this is what the world says I should do, or because this is actually going to benefit my child? I mean, and chances are, there's not other than the happiness. There's not a benefit to a young child having a smartphone. So, all right, so we've talked about the difference between smartphone use and smartphone ownership. We've talked about what it looks like for your child to demonstrate character and readiness for that privilege. And we also talked about those wrong reasons why to give your kid a smartphone, um, sort of a fear, fear of man, fear of God, all of that. So now I want to talk about, this is our final section, of which smartphone is best? Because we all know the two basic options of Apple and Android. Now, if we just focus on those two, I'm going to tell you the easiest to set limits on is the iPhone. Apple really loves to limit its users and dictate what you can do on the phone. And they kind of pass those limits um, on to the parents. And so Apple's screen time, iOS screen time, the parental controls are so easy to set up. They are comprehensive. You can control them from your own phone. It's really an absolute no brainer. If you don't have them (laughs) set up already and your child has an iPhone, I do not know why. <laughs> I'm going to include a link to a PDF that shows you how to set them up. There's a couple of nuances if you want to be able to do it from your own phone as to how to set that up correctly. But I will acknowledge the fact that Android phones are often less expensive. You can get an Android phone for a couple hundred dollars. And if you're like, hey, my kid's going to break it anyway, I don't want to get an iPhone for a thousand dollars. Hey, I understand that too. But do know that Android devices, they, um, Android iOS, they're just, it's very modifiable. And it means really a real tech savvy kid can manipulate a whole lot on that device. And you may not actually ever know. If you do need to go to it with an Android, I would say you must, must set up Google Family Link. But in my experience, Google Family Link is just not as user friendly as Apple's screen time. Uh, And frankly, also Google considers every child to be a quote internet adult at age 13 so i just i just can't with that <laughs> no i don't like I that can't. at all i'm just i'm shaking my head so hard yeah so so you have to um your child's google account has to give you the parent permission in order to set that up i find i find that a little problematic but nonetheless you may also want to if you're using an android device to set up a third party monitoring service Um, The easiest one, the one that we recommend, just because we have the most experience with it and it's pretty comprehensive and it also works on laptops as well, is MobiSip. MobiSip. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, we'll Mm -hmm. link to that in the show notes. It's great. It works for Apple phones as well, Um, but I definitely recommend it if you're using an Android. However, but, but, but there are alternatives to the iPhone and the Android. 
There are many fantastic uh, kids safe. I like to call them like not so smart. <laughs> Some people call them dumb phones, but they're really not really dumb anymore because they can grow into a smartphone. So they just can start not so smart. So I'm going to link a PDF that Brave Parenting has made to highlight the different phones here and each of their features. So make sure you check that out in the show notes. Uh, the, the fundamental basis of all of these is they're all Android based, like mostly Samsung phones that you can get. Um, so they're using the Android operating system, but they're having, um, they're modified immensely so that they are made friendly for kids. So all those modifications I said that an Android phone can do, these companies have already done so that they cannot be hacked around. And so that makes it really, really great. There are mainly four options, um, Gab and Gab Plus. I'm going to kind of put that as one, is one of the options. Pinwheel phone is another option. Trumi, that's T-R-O-O-M-I, and Bark. These are the ones that are out there. Um, they have some similar features, and you can kind of see that in that PDF comparison chart. Um, essentially, the options that you have when you look at them is some of them go with their own carrier. So you may, like if you're with AT&T, you may have to pay Gab Carrier as well for their service. So it kind of might give you two phone bills. So that may help you choose. I believe it's Pinwheel, lets you choose whichever carrier you go with. They all have a fee anywhere between $15 and $50 a month to use those features on that phone. But those features are really, really great. Um, the Gab, the Pinwheel, the Trumi, um, and maybe I think even the Bark. The Bark is brand new. It just came out right at Thanksgiving. So I still need to add that to the PDF list. But all of them have like a curated app store that you can grow into. So essentially the phone starts with no apps, no internet <laughs> at all. But then um, as your child gets older, so if you maybe you're starting it, maybe you are starting it at age nine or 10 because they're super involved in theater and you're dropping them off and you have to leave them and you want to be able to contact them or you're dropping them off the soccer fields and <laughs> they, you know, you need to be able to track them. These are all great reasons why they should start using the phone. But you're like, you know what, as they get older and they have a need, say, for a banking app, you know, they're going to have a bank account at age 13 and they need to be able to monitor that. And that's a great way to grow financial responsibility. Well, so if you only had like, say, a flip phone, you're not going to be able to add those sort of apps. And these phones, you can all add these apps. And um, they also have different music options. Um, but just check it out because they're all really great kid safe phones. And um, of all those options, there is still even another point that I would like to make another option out there. And that is the smartwatch, the KidSafe smartwatch. Gab offers a smartwatch that I think is so fantastic. If I had younger kids, uh, which I don't have a need for that now, but this is really a great option, um, especially if you want to track them. So the Gab watch has GPS tracking and unlimited talk and voice uh, preset text. So of course, you know, so what does that mean? Well, it means they're like talking into their watch but you can call them. But of course, they're not going to have long <laughs> conversations. And you can also control the contacts. So it's not like random people can call. And it's literally just the people that say an elementary age child needs to talk to. And there's no internet. There's no apps. I think one of the coolest features is that there's these customizable 
safe zones. So if you would say school and home is a safe zone, well, they're not going to be able to use some of those cellular services such as the phone. So you have to worry about your kids sitting in, you know, second grade art class using their smartwatch to, to call home and say, oh, mommy, I miss you, you know, <laughs> or whatever. So it's just a great, great feature. Like Chelsea said, if giving your smartphone in case of an emergency, such as like that's a school shooting, sadly, this is just the reality of the world that we live in. We have to think about that. Um, this would be, to me, a much safer option. You can track their location, yet they're not screaming for the teacher, I want my phone, I need to call my mom, right? That Could you imagine having 25 you know, mm -hmm. first graders yeah. who have phones who are all trying to contact their mom while you're trying to keep them quiet? Or something. I I don't know. This I just think is such um, uh, a a great alternative. Mm, those are awesome, like awesome options. I'm always amazed at how tech far technology comes in such a short period of time because these were not available, say, like what, yeah. six, seven years ago. Yeah, um, I think we got one. We got the Gab phone for uh, my son who's 16 now, when he was in sixth grade and really yeah. involved in tennis. So that was you know like five years ago, and yeah. it had just come out we were really like, it was like one of the first not so smart phones on the market. And it works great. It really mm -hmm. worked great for the purpose that we needed it to do. No, those are awesome. And I love Bark. It's a language filtering uh, software. So, you know, anything that they say or anything that they read, you know, it's going to alert you. It's, it's fantastic. These are really, really great options. And I think that you would agree, no, that no matter which phone you go with, or no phone, but a kid's safe smartwatch, the key is just being diligent to set up the established boundaries and parental controls. It's like each child needs their own sort of like roadmap that you can set up to hash out when they'll advance in features and privileges. So let's say you have a 10-year-old and you can easily say, well, we can see that little Susie is going to need a smartphone when she's 16 and driving. So right now, she just needs to have a phone available for emergencies when she's at home alone and to text message with grandparents. And so in a couple of years when she's in middle school, we'll likely want to track her location as she travels with the band or with volleyball. So if we get a true me phone, for example, it will allow her to grow into it. So this is the type of mental prep yep. that's going to help you stand firm and not cave to the ways of the world and to the whining of your children. I feel like we give this advice to like our parents when we tell them to talk to like kids like before they start dating, like have those established boundaries and those established like words that you're going to say when you get put in a certain situation so that way you don't cave. We need that as yes. we need that as adults <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah, it it does. It takes intentionality and it also takes time. That roadmap is is that's exactly what I would what I teach and, and tell parents all the time is think through the process. They may be 10 now. Where do you want them to go? And at what points do you think that you want them to do this? Because And write it out. Write it down because you'll forget. You'll have that conversation with your spouse and then you'll forget. But um, the time, the time is such a specific thing because it takes time. If you already know, I just do not, I do not have time to check a phone or I don't have time to check another phone. Like for me, I had seven kids. I don't have time. I didn't have time when I had all of them. There was no way I could check that many devices. So I just didn't have that many devices. Um, and if you already know, hey, I just don't have time to check the device, you automatically should go with one of these kids safe, not so smartphones. Because they're going to Absolutely. do they're going to do the, so much of the work for you that you don't have to go and and look through the phone and, and make sure they're not getting into the wrong stuff. So immediately do that. 
But just know it is going to take your time to, to give this child a smartphone. It is going to take your time. Yeah, Plain and, and be honest. Be honest about your kid's character as well. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if your kid's just not ready for it, that's okay. It's okay to talk about that with other parents. I feel like there's like an embarrassment element, Kelly. We all just like, want to act like we have it together. We don't. And our kids have it together. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, my kids don't have be, it together. I no, don't. no. <laughs> my kids don't either, y'all. That's why we have held off for so long. Yeah. Just be honest about their character with yourself. So that way you're not going to give them something that's going to harm them. Yeah. This is the, we have all been called to raise kids in this time, in this place. God has given this technology and he knows it. He knows that it can be evil. He knows that it can be good. And we can teach our kids to use it for good. We can use it for good. And, you know, you may be like, oh, I just, you know, my parents always say, I'm so glad I'm not raising kids in this generation. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, here we are. We are raising kids in this generation. So there's no point lamenting it. We just need to embrace it and then do it to the best of our abilities um, and do it in a most God-honoring way possible. It's true. All right, Kelly, you set me up with a pop quiz at the beginning of the show. I got one for you. Actually, it's not really a quiz. It's more of just a question. <laughs> we have Christmas coming up, right? Right? We do. It's December. We do. Yeah. It's December. So what are your thoughts on a phone being given as a Christmas gift? No. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. If you've gotten this far and you thought that maybe that was still a good idea, no. It is really the wrong precedent to set for phone usage when the phone is a gift because that means it's something the child wanted. We give Christmas gifts. We give things that we think that someone wants, but a phone should be something that they need, right? You are giving it to them because there is a need for it. And more than that, the phone is yours, mom and dad. You are paying for it. You can take that phone whenever you want. You're the one who's putting the limits and the controls on that. And so you don't want it to be like, no, you gave this to me as a Christmas gift. You can't take it away. So no, I know it's an easy win. Yeah. A phone is an easy win, but no, do not give, Chelsea, do not give the phone as a Christmas gift. Yes, ma'am. I will (laughs) not do that. (laughs) All right, y'all. So We have talked about the why a child needs a smartphone. We have talked about when your child is ready and which smartphone is best. Check out the links to the PDFs again about those kids safe smartphones. If you have specific questions about what we've talked about, about how would I handle this situation with the first smartphone, please reach out to us. Chances are we have already either answered the question or other people have that question and we can answer it here on the podcast and uh, help everybody. So, <laughs> Or we've failed miserably in that same situation and we've learned from our mistakes. <laughs> amen. 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 It's so true. So y'all share this uh, podcast with your people. Help everyone else kind of get on the same page. Uh, really, I think that we can, I Chelsea, think you agree, reset the standard for childhood smartphone use one family at a time following these guidelines. I don't necessarily think we have it all together, but I think this is a great place to start. All right. All right, y'all. Until next time, go and be brave.